I'm going to read from Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Ah, oh, well, <laughs> thank you, Sandy Campbell, for reading for us from Genesis chapter 12. I thought I'd have time to get some of this cake down that was so sanitarily uh, extinguished. Happy birthday, KGF. Listen, uh, if you're hub or life group or the people you're with today are celebrating a 60th birthday party for KGF. Could you send us some pictures? Send a few pictures in so that we can celebrate with you and share those a little more widely. Um, hey, look around. You see all these amazing flags? Kids, take a look. Uh, if anybody can figure out these four flags, I will personally deliver you this piece of cake, although you may not want it anymore. But Here's the four. Can you, can you guess where you are in your hub or your life group? Can you figure out these four flags? They're rather random, actually. Over there, at the far end, that's Bangladesh. Anyone get it right? Over here, next, uh, from the Caribbean, we have Haiti. Over here, beside me, from Africa, Zimbabwe. And over here, we remain in Africa with the Central African Republic. This is one I didn't really know. It's pretty beautiful, actually. So, kids, here's what we'd love you to do today. I'm, as I'm preaching the message and we're in God's Word together, would you take a piece of paper and draw a flag? But here's the hint. Here's what I'd like you to do. Draw a flag that you think would represent God's family. If God had a country, if God had a people, if God had a nation, what would the flag of God's family look like? That's your challenge today. As always, we're headed toward a question for discussion and engagement and application. Uh, the question for today will be, where is the Lord inviting me to trust him and be blessing? Where is the Lord inviting me to trust him and be blessing? That's where we're headed today. Now, there, there have been significant historical turning points, and often they seem very insignificant initially. There was a routine safety test that plunged ahead in April 1986 at a power plant in the Soviet Union. The team inside uh, that power plant was simply doing their job, but a 10-hour delay in the test meant that an unprepared operating shift was on duty, and the result was the world's largest nuclear disaster, which we know as Chernobyl. The last leader of the Soviet Union, Mikhail Gorbachev, said about that moment, perhaps this was the real cause of the collapse of the Soviet Union. A mob of political Revolutionary wannabes marched from a beer hall in Munich, Germany in 1923 and police opened fire, into the, uh, opened fire into that crowd. They killed a man who was standing directly beside a World War I veteran named Adolf Hitler. 
And he was arrested and imprisoned, and there he had time to write a book, Mein Kampf, which would go viral. Ten years after that bullet narrowly missed him, Hitler was named Chancellor of Germany with disastrous political impact and plunging humanity into World War II. In 1990, the Canadian Constitution was to be amended to name Quebec as a distinct society. It was known as the Meech Lake Accord, for those of you old enough to remember that. It needed the ratification of all 10 provincial legislatures. And in Manitoba, a First Nations MLA named Elijah Harper held an eagle feather in his hand in the legislature of Manitoba and began a filibuster. Kids, you can ask your parents what a filibuster is. Essentially, it's what you do at bedtime. You can talk about it. Uh, Elijah Harper began a filibuster that caused the vote in Manitoba to run out of time before ratification was required. Harper was making this necessary and courageous point that Canada's first peoples were not included in this amendment to the Constitution. A seemingly insignificant filibuster sunk the Meech Lake Accord and brought the peoplehood of First Nations into public profile in a new way. On and on we could go. There are so many of these crossroads moments that have massive impact, but few crossroads moments have been more significant than what took place in the land of Haran around 2000 BC. Abram's choice at the crossroads of Haran has made him a revered figure for the world's three great religions, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. Today, that represents about 4.1 billion people on the planet. Now, if you recall, Abram's father, Terah, at the end of chapter 11 of Genesis, began a journey west. It's the first westward journey since the fall of humanity east of Eden at the end of Genesis chapter 3. And it's at these crossroads that Terah dies at the age of 205. That's a lot of birthday candles. And then this happens. Genesis 12, 1 to 3, which Sandy read for us. Now, if you look at those words on the screen, you'll begin to see that the Lord's call on Abram is profound. Jewish Midrash tradition says that Abram worked in his father's shop making idols. And so he and Sarai's trust of the voice of the living God is a disruption to everything he knows, a monotheistic disruption that continues to impact people today. So if you look at those words, it is a command to leave what he knows, go from what you know and from your country. It's a command to go further than, your, than his dad had gone. Go from who you know, your kin and your father's settling. It's an invitation to trust God for a true home. I will show you the land. And then that word right there, I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, God often announces his good news intentions, not for all to hear, but to those who walk with him. God will invite the seemingly insignificant into his good news initiatives. Until we are led by the spirit that hovers to see what God alone can see, we usually do not get up from the crossroads of our settling. 
the bad news, Babel building that surrounds us. Remember that tongue twister from last week. We'll happily stay right where we are in our brokenness and our sorrow. And chapter 11, verse 28, and I'd invite you to have your scriptures with you this morning because we're going to look at some details along the way. Um, chapter 11, verse 28, hints that the reason that Abram's dad started west was because of the sorrow of losing a son. Pain, pain moved him. Our pain and our sorrow, even somehow, yeah, even someone else's response to our pain, to the pain and sorrow of the world, can awaken our calling. It's true in my own life. Uh, is that true in yours? Is there a clue in your pain and sorrow, your suffering, to God's awakening call for you and perhaps for us as a people in the middle of a pandemic. Now it's common east of Eden for us to live our lives on a different free, uh, radio frequency. Remember those old ghetto blasters? Some of these are kind of coming back in style actually, but back in the day when I was young, uh, ghetto blasters were the thing. Uh, you know, most days, if you've noticed this, if you drive around Kelowna, you get one clear AM radio station. I've noticed this. But on a clear, cool night, suddenly you can pull in stations from far off. In fact, this week, I was listening in on a station in Texas one night while I was driving in the car. Well, it's easy to live our lives that way. We're tuned in to what we see. And we need a cold reality to tune us into a voice from beyond that we are invited to participate in God's good news, the shalom of God, an adventure of friendship with God. This is what happens to Abram in Genesis chapter 12. Has it happened to you? Has it happened to you? Now consider the profound I will promises of God in, Genesis, in, the, in those verses from Genesis chapter 12. I will show you the land. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who dishonor you. This is God's promises to Abram. At Babel, humanity had said, come, let us make a name for ourselves. Greatness awaits, huh? But true greatness, true blessing is God's doing. And so we must walk with him. There is good news. But we must hear it, and we must get up and go into what God promises. Now, in the adventure between the creator and humanity through Genesis, there is a curious detail. When God acts or speaks in general, in Genesis chapters 1 to 12 so far, as we've been looking at, uh, God is, in the Hebrew word, Elohim. He is God. It's the general name for God. But... When God gets personal, when God is zeroing in with intentionality and purpose in Genesis 1 to 12, he is Lord. If you look in your scripture, you'll see it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. In your Old Testament, that's the way the English language picks up on the name Yahweh, the self-existent one, the life giver, the one who does what he does. When Genesis moves from the broad creation story back in Genesis chapter 1, flip back there, you'll see this, it's pretty incredible. 
when, when Genesis moves from the broad creation story of Genesis 1 to focus on the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 2, he's, God suddenly becomes the Lord God. Verse 4 of Genesis chapter 2. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. God is suddenly more personal. The serpent only uses the name Elohim, God, to plant suspicion of God's goodness in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. But it had been a personal word of the Lord God, Yahweh Elohim, that was to be trusted in chapter 2, verse 16, when God commanded Adam to avoid the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When humanity bites and falls, however, in Genesis chapter 3, it is not some distant deity who responds, oh no, it is the Lord God who gets personal. It is the Lord God who walked in the garden looking for us in chapter 3, verse 8. It is the Lord God who uh, descri describes sin's curse, even to the serpent in Genesis 3 verse 14. It is the Lord God who responds with grace to our shame and walks us out of the garden that we despise in verse 23. It is the Lord God who interacts with Abel and even with Cain in chapter 4. It is the Lord who saw the wickedness of humanity that led to the flood and his heart ached and broke. It is the Lord who sends Noah into the ark in Genesis chapter 7 verse 1. It is God, Elohim, who speaks the covenant promise of life over the earth after the flood in chapter 9 verses 8 and 9. But it is the Lord, Yahweh, that Noah worshipped when he came out of the ark in Genesis chapter uh, uh, 9 verses 20 to 21. It is the Lord who will see our pride, and he comes down to visit us at Babel in Genesis chapter 11. And now, now, when Terah has settled his family at the crossroads, stuck, it seems, by the pain of losing his son, it is distinctively, what does it say in chapter 12, verse 1? It is the Lord. It is the Lord who speaks to Abram. The point is this, listen, the God of good news is not your run-of-the-mill deity, not even just some supreme being or higher power. God is personal. He'll come into your kitchen. Yahweh, the I am, he will act and call and speak. This is good news in a bad news world. When Jesus arrives in the story of the Jews in the Gospels in John chapter 8, he is interacting, of course, with the descendants of Abraham because he is also a Jew. And he, they're, the, they're the long line of the descendants of Abram. He disrupts the privileged Abrahamic descendant life that they've accepted. The, the Jews claim that they're the free offspring of Abraham in John chapter 8. And Jesus disrupts this religious privilege and he says, you're not free, you're slaves to sin. And he says, Abraham rejoiced when he saw the day when the Lord would come down and bring good news to all people, John 8, 56. And the Jews mocked that saying because they said, you're not even 50 years old and yet you claim to have seen Abraham? You're a nut. The God you claim to know has now come down 
in the midst of things is what Jesus now turns to. And he says, it's a thundercrack that he responds with among the Jews. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. John 8, 58. As has always been, the Lord is getting personal. Now, what are you going to do about it is essentially what Jesus is saying to the Jews. And this is all rooted right here in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, a personal word from a personal God who is looking for those who will personally walk with him. God says, the Lord says, go from your country. Your task is to trust and follow. Go out from the place you know, from your from your people and your father's household. Leave home. Leave the crossroads. It's so entirely doable. The invitation of go is the Hebrew word halak, which means come and walk. It's like, come and walk with me. It's an invitation. Not to every, have everything you know, perfectly figured out, but to a trusting walk, a friendship with God in the garden. And as you go... I will, this is God's promise. As you go, I will do more than you can ask or imagine. God's faith-building invitations are always matched by his capacity to do more than we can ask or imagine. It is usually fear that keeps us from trusting the voice of the Lord. Are you afraid of what he's inviting you to? Are you afraid of what God might be doing for the church in this moment that we're in? Are you afraid? Are you led by fear? What voice are you paying attention to? Now, Abraham responds to this. If, we, if he follows, God will do more. Now, Abram does not have, he does have something that he needs to do, though. There is one great you will to Abraham, but this you will is the fruit of trusting and following. Abram's you will is this. You will be a blessing, Abram. You will be a blessing. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God had made a promise of life to all that he has made. The bad news would not prevail. His purpose to fill the earth with his goodness remains. And now the promise of life is to be fulfilled through a family, a people who leave the crossroads in faith and walk with the Lord westward into the fray. Following me, following the Lord, unleashes his promises to every people of every dispersed language and tongue, so that the earth may be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's what Habakkuk the prophet will say. And so Abram is 75 years old. He's not a spring chicken. In verse 4, it says this. He's 75 years old when he goes, and he leaves the crossroads of Haran and begins a journey with the Lord. Listen, we are all living in a crossroads moment these days. Maybe it's your crossroads moment today. Maybe it feels like you don't know which way to go. Perhaps this crossroad is revealing whose voice you trust whose voice you put stock in, the God or the God, small g, that we follow, the blessing that we are becoming. Now, immediately, 
after receiving the blessing word of the Father and testing of the Spirit in the wilderness, Jesus sees two fishermen. Let's jump to the New Testament for a second. Jesus sees two, two fishermen, Simon, Peter, and Andrew. They're not scholars or PhDs or CEOs. They're fishermen. And what does Jesus say to them? Kids, you know this. What does Jesus say to Peter and Andrew? Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. Follow me, walk with me, and I will bless all peoples through you. On the first, on the day of the ascension in Acts chapter 1, this same Peter and Andrew and the expanded group of Jesus followers sees the risen Lord and he's ascending up into heaven. And Jesus prepares to leave and he's going to make room for the Holy Spirit to come. And the disciples ask, the, ask him, Lord, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Acts chapter 1 verse 6. Is this now the time when we can build the tower in our name, essentially. You know, I was, I was speaking in 2016 in Kansas, the Sunday after President Trump was elected back in 2016. This text from Acts chapter 1 just happened to be the text for my sermon that morning in this American church. And when we read this scripture where the disciples ask, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Are you going to make Israel great again? There was a hush and a pause that fell over that room and nervous laughter. Is our purpose to make ourselves great again? Are we only for ourselves? Is this the call of the people who know good news? The establishing of a nation state in the image that we want? Is this the call? From the very beginning, the call of the Lord to the people of faith is to walk with the Lord God in the midst of the nations and be a blessing to all people. This is a higher vision, a bigger call, a holy, courageous invitation. And Jesus tells the disciples after the resurrection that they've missed the point. He says to them, you've, you've completely missed the point. The Father determines the times for things to be consummated. But listen, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Seek not the building of human empires and power. Seek the kingdom of God and you will receive the Holy Spirit and you will bless the nations. You will fulfill the word to Abram. Do you see it? And so let's go back to Abram and Sarah. Sarai still at the crossroads in Genesis 12. The promise of a great nation, a great people who are a blessing to all peoples, it seemed impossible. When you get to Genesis chapter 15 and just flip your pages there or scroll a little further, by, by Genesis 15, Abraham had lived into this promise. He'd moved westward. He even ended up in Egypt at, at one point, deeper into the lands of the descendants of Ham, which uh, we learned about last week. But he still, with Sarai, has no children how on earth is one to bless the earth through a great nation when you don't have any kids? 
And Abraham raises the Captain Obvious point. They are childless and old. They've been living into a promise to become a great nation. The personal God responding to Abraham and Sarah's pain and disquestioning is profound. The Lord speaks into this impossibility. And he says this in verse 5, Genesis 5, verse 15. Look toward the heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. So shall your offspring be. That's how many you will have. What a, what a word. When, when I was in youth group, um, we used to do something called star spinning. Yeah, we're from Ontario, not very bright. Um, and we'd stand with our arms stretched out at night, beautiful night, staring up at the sky, and you'd spin in a circle until you'd fall down. Yeah, yeah, I'd feel like puking. And uh, somehow it seemed like fun, I think. But is, isn't that sometimes how God's promises can appear? How they can sometimes be? Like you're staring up into the impossible while life spins out of control, while everything seems unlikely. Verse 6 of Genesis 15 says, and it becomes the grounding words for the good news that will be fully realized in Jesus Christ. Abraham heard that promise of his offspring being as many as the stars in the sky. And God said, and the word says, Abram believed the Lord, and it is credited to him as righteousness. Abraham again trusts the Lord for blessing at impossible crossroads. He literally believes the impossible was reality apart from what he saw and experienced. And God says, this is the walk of faith that makes you right with me. This is what it looks like. The Apostle Paul, you see, in Romans, when we get into the New Testament again, the Apostle Paul points to that moment as the defining nature of faith in Romans chapter 4. That is the faith that will save us from sin and the impending consequences of the bad news. It is not our works. It's that we believe God when he acts and speaks and walk with him into the unknown, fully convinced that God is able to do what he promises. You see, this is the point. To believe God's good news of shalom, his wholeness, his peace, his hope, eternal life, of a kingdom that is more real than the teetering towers of human empire is an act faith, a reorienting of our lives in this real world around belief in the Lord who desires to bless all peoples. Do you really believe in this good news? Are you living out this blessing or is it all bad news? There's a large good news cycle that Genesis chapter 1 to 12 has set up for us. And this is why we spent so much time looking at Genesis chapter 1 to 12. Because there's a good news cycle here that we need to understand. Because out of this, we can understand the rest of scripture. And we're invited into this. First, at the top there, God is the creator and the blesser. And we are made in God's image to represent him in the world. That is truth. Second, as we circled there, uh, the world 
everything and everyone is wrecked by the bad news of sin. That was Genesis chapters 3 to 5. Sin has entered into this world. We chose to be suspicious of God rather than walk and relate with him in friendship. And the consequences of that are, have wrecked us. They've wrecked our systems. They've wrecked the spiritual world. They've wrecked our lives. It impacts us. We're sinners. But there's a promise in the beginning of Genesis in chapters uh, 6 to 9 that God will act to keep his promises to be for life. And he's calling for a people who will be for life too. But humanity will try to fix the mess and make a name for itself. Genesis, is, Genesis chapter 12 and 11, the story of Babel. So you have that bad news of sin has wrecked us, that God makes a promise, but humanity's response and our response, not just us generally as a human race, but our response, my response, is so often to try to fix the mess myself, make a name for myself. This is what we try to do. And generally what that leads us to, as it does for Abram and Sarah, is that we find ourselves at a crossroads, like in Genesis chapter 12, where the Lord will call and we must choose will we get up and go in faith embracing our call to join the lord in blessing all peoples or not do you see it we must all ultimately decide what we will do with this god who creates speaks acts and calls kids seniors everyone in the middle we all must decide what we'll do with this God of good news, this personal Yahweh, this Lord, who will act and speak and call us to join him. Will we hope against hope, believe and act into the impossible? Will we leave the crossroads to bless or will we stay stuck in sin and its horrid consequences only to make a name for ourselves? This is actually the good news cycle. The time has come, Jesus said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent, turn, and believe the good news. We are invited to a great reversal, to believe the Lord God who calls us to follow and be a blessing to all peoples. And oh, my friends, in this conflicted, charged world and time in which we're living, the world is in need of blessing. The world is in need of a people who know this Lord God, walk with him in obedience, go where he goes, are faithful where he sends, and who bless the nations in his name. We are still, we are still, you are still, Abram and Sarai at the crossroads. What will you do? To whom will you go? Where is he leading you? Let's pray together, church. Lord God, great is your name in all the earth, O Lord, our Lord. You desire to bless the peoples. Forgive us, O God, where we have judged rather than blessed, where we have been selfish rather than sacrificial, where we have been unkind and not seen with your eyes, where we have not spoken truth 
where we have not spoken mercy, where we have not acted with obedience, where we have been selfish. Oh God, our maker, forgive us for being out of step with your goodness, your wholeness, your shalom. Forgive us, oh God. Today, oh Lord, I want to thank you for the people of faith who saw a crossroads 60 years ago and walked out in faith to begin this fellowship. Thank you for them, oh God. Uh, we always, in the story of what you're doing in the world, we stand on the shoulders of giants and we recognize, like us, they were imperfect, seeking to follow. Lord, we're all at the crossroads in some way in these days. We're Abram and Sarai, perhaps stuck in our pain and our sorrow, in our discouragement and despair, our lamenting and our woe. Oh God, let us hear your voice that we may follow after you and see the fulfillment of your promise to bless the nations through a people, a good news family, a gospel fellowship family, a people of faith. Lord, help us. Fill us with your spirit. Lord Jesus, lead the way. And we pray it in your mighty name. Amen. Hmm. Well, church, as you go, worshiping, praising, giving thanks to the Lord who is good and his love endures forever. Here's the question that we want you to work on, apply and talk about as a hub and live it out with the people you're with. Where is the Lord inviting me to trust him and be a blessing? Where is the Lord inviting me to trust him and be a blessing? Have at it, church. Be good news this week. <laughs>